then we're winning as a community, amen? I just want to highlight to you guys something uh, that I'd like us to start using. Available in the foyer is one of these DLs. On the front of it, it says prayer and praise. What it is, is a little card where if you have a prayer request or you need to get to the ministry team or the prayer team, what you can do is fill in one of these forms, uh, place it in the uh, offering container as it comes past, That'll make it back to us. And then we're able to pray uh, with you as a community. We're able to celebrate with you as a community if stuff is going on. Is that okay? Is that good? So it's a prayer and praise card. Please use those. They are in the foyer. Also coming up over the next few weeks uh, is we are going to be doing um, a preaching series. You ready for the coolest name that we could think of? The Scandal at Christmas. I think it's a cool name. Uh, we've been working um, with people in our community on a design. But there's so many scandals that are going on around Christmas. Like when we think about uh, Jesus Christ and, and, and the family uh, lineage that he came through, you know, it's great to think about um, a King David who's a king and an incredible guy, but no one ever wants to brag about Rahab, you know, a bit of a scandalous past, everyone knows what I'm talking about. She was a prostitute, just throwing it out there. You know, so scandalous, scandalous. We're going to talk about Joseph. Bit of a scandal. You know, he's engaged to be married to a woman. She's pregnant. It's not his. Scandal at Christmas. So what we've got is we've got a preaching series coming. I want to encourage you guys, be around in the lead up to Christmas. I'm really excited. Uh, this week, um, I, I went away with Pastor Greg, who is preaching in our Box Hill campus this morning uh, out there. I'm very grateful for his ministry and, and what he's doing. But we went away this week. I have planned for our community the entire 2019. Now, we all know my personality. So who knows, it was great wisdom to share it with Greg to make sure that it works. So we've got an exciting year. There's going to be, we're going to work systematically through some books of the Bible. Uh, we've got multiple preaching series coming. We've got community events coming, men's coming, women event. Men will be coming, but I meant men's events, Johnny. You know, Pastor John will be leading that. We've got community events uh, that'll be uh, being ran. We, we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming on. But what my desire has been is that we, we have a community that has great balance. Uh, so I'm really looking excited uh, to the future. I'm looking forward to the future and I'm excited about it. Um, so let's pray and let's get into the Word. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 16. And before I pray, I'm going to tell you that this, this portion of Scripture is not preached very many times. Now let me explain to you why. It is the most difficult portion of Scripture to read out loud. There is 24 names in 17 verses. And we're going to pray for that. That's really all we're praying for right now. Lord, help me as I fake the pronunciation of these words. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been loving the book of Romans. <clears throat> and um, we land in chapter 16, the, the closing of the book of Romans. What's happened in the lead up in the, in the scripture uh, previous to chapter 16 is in, in, in chapter 14, Paul actually really addresses the local issue that's going on in Rome. 
See, what had been happening in Rome, and I shared this a few weeks ago when we shared out of a spirit-led life in Romans chapter 8, but there are, there are two cultures at play in the Roman community. There are the Jews that had become Christians. So in doing that, you've got to understand that, that why they're described as the weak is these guys are vulnerable. They've been excommunicated from their cultural community because they don't believe the Jewish community that Jesus is the Messiah. But these guys have encountered the living grace that is Jesus Christ. And what's happened is they've become Christians and they've been kicked out of their communities. Then they're squabbling and fighting with other Christians that are from a Gentile background, a non-Jewish background, and they're fighting. And, and what happens is there's some stuff that they're fighting about. And, and Paul in chapter 14 gets into the specifics, which one of them simply was they're fighting over food. But, but let me explain. They're, they're more primarily, they're arguing over uh, meat, because what happens is uh, the Jewish guys who, who were quite poor uh, saw the meat that was available in their society as pagan meat, unclean, so they don't want to eat it. But what's happening is the Gentile guys who hadn't had the, the Jewish guys in the community for a period of time, well, like, the meat's all good. That, that ain't anything to do with my salvation. That comes through Jesus Christ. And, and what's happening is they're fighting and it's bringing a heap of disunity into the community over meat. Paul begins to address it and goes, you know what? Meat, it's indifferent. Meaning, meat's, meat's not necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just meat. It's in the middle. It's indifferent. You know, alcohol is an example of something that's indifferent. You know, it's not necessarily uh, a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it is depending on how you use it and be careful with that. But reality, it just sits in the middle. It's indifferent. And Paul is addressing, there's no point fighting over this stuff. But what you guys need to realize is there's a greater law at play. He says two things. He says this, whatever you decide to do on this indifferent matter, he's saying to them, do it to bring honor to God. So he says, if you're going to eat meat, you eat that meat to honor God. If you're not going to eat meat based on a conviction, then out of that conviction, don't eat meat to honour God, but honour God. And then he says, but there's a greater law at work, and it's the law of love. He says, if you're eating meat and it's distressing your brother in Christ, then you're no longer acting in love. So don't do it. Because the greater law at play is the law of love. You need to love one another. So that is what's going on in chapter 14. He addresses the local issue. Then in chapter 15, he begins to talk about two other things that were primary to him writing the letter. One's his travel plans, which we know about in the community, that he wants to use Rome as an opportunity to launch a new ministry into Spain, and that'd be an incredible launching pad, and he'd really love them to commend you know, his ministry and listen and submit to what, what he's teaching. Uh, and then also he's taking up an offering for those that are in Jerusalem that believe in Jesus Christ and are Christians and that need money. So he's been, Paul goes around there, the Gentile community, taking up an offering for another Christian community in order that they will flourish, remembering they've been excommunicated from their family. They don't have social support. Uh, they're, they're poor. Uh, they're vulnerable. So Paul is trying to take up an offering in order to support them in Jerusalem. Then you land in 15. 
Now, I'm going to read this in a minute. But there are so many greetings. I found it so random that it just goes into 16 or 17 verses of say hi to this person, say hi to that person, say hi to this person. Now, here's my, here's my personality at play here, and you might be like this too. Romans is so rich in, in theology and he, hearing about justification and spirit-led. I'm tempted just to skim over the greetings because I'm like, I want to focus on the good stuff. This is just a bunch of names. You know what? I, I see this is like Paul's version of tagging someone in a photo on social media. You know, come on, let's be honest. Who loves to be tagged in a photo? Especially if it's a good photo, you know, the light is hitting you on the right angle. You're looking really good or something amazing's happened and then they're like, thanks for being there at Charles Chrysopoli. And I'm like, special mention. Come on, come on. Can we be honest? Who here likes that? Yeah, I see about five honest people. We all like that. So I'm thinking to myself, is this what Paul is doing? He's just doing a bunch of shout outs. He's, all he's doing is saying, hey, say hi, to, hey, say hi to my friend. Say hi to my friend. But what happened is as I pondered and as I read the scripture and as I looked into who these people, it was that Paul was actually greeting. It, it began to speak to me about who he was, about who God is, about how we should live our lives. See, the, the sermon title that I, I wanted to, to give this morning is, my fruit, our fruit, and bad fruit. From the perspective of what fruit is coming out of your life, personally and through your relationships. Our fruit being, is there good fruit coming out of our relationships? And bad fruit being, Paul here addresses those that may cause division or cause obstacles in order for us to serve God. So I'm going to attempt to read this this morning. It seems that my tongue fatigues halfway through, uh, so pray for me as I have a crack. Let's do this together, team. Ready? No, we don't need to read this together. As in, let's go. Let's read. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centraea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give to her any help that she may need for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches in the, Gentile, in the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Meet Mary, who worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Meet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Meet, greet Urbanus, my co-worker in Christ, my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apollos, whose vitality to Christ has stood the test of time. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Oh, Lord, help me. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, the most unfortunate name in the New Testament, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Perses, another woman who has worked very hard for you. Greet Rufus, 
chosen in the Lord and his mother who has been like a mother to me too. Greet, oh, here we go. Asyncritus, Philagum, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet, oh, Philogolus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who were with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. Hallelujah. I made it through that. Thank you. Thank you. To God be the glory. Amen. So, man, I read this the first time. And I was like, what was the point of that, God? Why, after such a rich letter, meaningful in meaning, addressing issues, do you begin to mention all of these people? But I think it's incredible at the same time. See, let me build a case for Paul why he mentions all these people and how come it can affect our life and the way that we serve God. See, the first person he mentions is Phoebe. Now, what I love about the New Testament and letter writing was this, is that when Paul wrote the letter, someone else actually wrote it, uh, he dictated the letter. What happens is, uh, according to a lot of scholars in the, in the ancient world, that they estimate that only around 10% of people could actually read. So that meant in sending a letter, you need to send someone with that letter in order that they may be able to read it publicly to the community so that it can be discussed. More important than that was Paul would have needed to choose someone significant because not only was reading the letter important, is that Rome and the church there were so important to him strategically in the spread of the gospel that it had to be an important person. It goes beyond that. You've got to understand that knowing Paul, he, he wouldn't have sent Phoebe without the letter, without walking her through it. Because here's the thing, if she was to read the letter publicly, she would also be the one responsible to answer any questions about the doctrine that is in that letter. Paul sends Phoebe. Now, in that culture, that's significant because she's a woman. It goes even beyond that, that he chose her in my mind because he had great leaders with him. He had Timothy with him, as we find out, a great young male leader, but yet he chose who he felt in the Lord to be the best case to represent him to the Romans and he sends his sister Phoebe. He greets Priscilla and Aquila. people that he had deep relationship with. You've got to understand that, that Paul first meets these guys in Acts chapter 18, verse 2. And what happens is Paul, by trade, like I'm a nurse, his trade was that he was a tent maker. So were these guys here. Priscilla and Aquila were also tent makers. But not only that, they loved the Lord, they served the Lord. And, and when Paul went into Ephesus... Uh, to minister the gospel to those people, they went with him. Now, I look at it like this. Have you, who's ever been on a missions trip? Give me a wave if you've ever been on a missions trip. Give me a wave if you've ever been on a camp in your life. 
Have you found two things? This is what I, what I believe is happening there and what to me reinforces the significance of their relationship is that one, when you work with a person day in, day out, you actually build a relationship with them. But have you ever gone on a camp or on a missions trip with someone and what happens is you go as friends, you come back as family because of the experience of serving God together, because of the experience of stepping into faith together, something about that deepens your relationship. Not only had he worked with Priscilla and Aquila, but he had also ministered with them. They had gone on missionary trips together and he's commending them in the community. But see, there's something else at play there is that they're leaders in the community. See, after Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, he says, also greet the church that meets at their house. You see, they were leaders in that community as well. We'll skip a few. I love, I want to mention, he says, greet Mary. I, I think this one's significant from the perspective who worked very hard for you. I see that Mary must have been the Ian Fisher of the community, the servant the person that says she worked very hard for you. See, I love the fact that this goes back to Paul's theology around that, that in, the, in the body of Christ, no position has any right or any authority or better grace or better position than anybody else. We all serve together. I love that he greets another one of them is Rufus. Now, for me, I, I found this one really interesting. You see, the Gospels... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we know that they're all written with a unique perspective. Well, the gospel of Mark was written for the Gentile community. In fact, uh, you could say it was written for the Roman community. Now, what's interesting about the book of Mark, it's the only one to mention Simon of Cyrene. You know, the guy that carries the cross for Jesus? And it mentions his kids. It mentions the fact that one of the kids is named Rufus. And scholars believe that because it was the Roman community that he was in, Mark was written for the Roman community and that Simon the Cyrene is mentioned in that, being known in that community and it mentions his son. They believe that this could have been the son of that man. Now, just by default, Rufus, his father carried the cross for Jesus. A Christian community, it would have lifted his status amongst them. But then it goes on, and Syncretus, Philagon, Hermes, Petrobus, these are all Greek names, Gentile names. See, as you begin to look down the list of people, he mentions, as you look into it in scholarship, he mentions slaves, freedmen, business people, Jews, Gentiles, males, females. You see, in Galatians chapter 3, 28, this is what it reads. And this is Paul writing, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. You see, Paul was reinforcing here his theology that it doesn't matter who you are, these people have had an impact on my journey. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter their status. It doesn't matter their ability. It doesn't matter who they are. In Christ, we are all one. I love that because you know what that reinforces to us today? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. 
Do you know, I, I love the fact that it doesn't even matter about your skills, your experience, or your ability. What matters is that you are called and that you are anointed. You can do anything that God calls you to. Can I get an amen? You see, what's happening is Paul is reinforcing to a community the diversity of what it is to have people that have had influence in his life. I want to encourage you today to take steps of faith. It doesn't matter where you come from, how you get started. Keep going because you can have an impact. In the kingdom of God, Jesus has put us all into the same playing field. God has no favourites and your call for your life is just as important as anybody else's in this room. But you need to get started. You know, one of the guys that inspires me quite often is Cam Hendry. I know he's in here. I've asked him if I could share this about him. Now, Cam has a, a, a great business. It's now, in fact, it's, it, it's in the Hope Centre. It's screen printing and embroidery. Please see him if you need anything. He's the man. But it started in his parents' garage. But he answered the call of God. You see... Some people are called to business, some people are called to ministry, some people are called to teaching, some people are called to acting. Whatever your lane is that God's calling you, the key is to start in faith. Now when he went out on his own, he had done an apprenticeship, but he didn't really have all the answers. He didn't really have all the experience, but what he was doing was he was calling and walking. He, he was stepping out in the calling and walking of God for his life. I want to encourage everybody here. It doesn't matter who you are. Whether or not you've got all the answers, I think often, and I believe this is for a few people here today, that you don't want to step out because all the, all the I's aren't dotted, all the T's aren't crossed, but I believe the word for you is to step out in faith. God will meet you as you go. But something else is going on in here. After greeting the diversity of people, He says to them, greet one another with a holy kiss. I think this is so smart. Let's think about the context of that community. There are two groups of people that are fighting. And he's saying, greet them with a holy kiss. Let, let's put that into our context. Greet them with genuine, godly affection that you mean. How often... Are people limited because of offense? Something happens, whether it's in this community or in the community outside these walls, where something has happened and it's caused offense. I, I don't have the same conviction as that person. I don't like what they're doing. See, here's the thing. What, what Paul is saying effectively to this community is stop worrying about the indifferent things. It doesn't matter your culture. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter where you're from. Greet each other with genuine godly affection and be united in the body as we serve God together. So the question that I pondered as I read this is, am I holding a fence that God is saying to me to step out in faith and greet that person with genuine godly affection? Because relationships matter. If you think about this, Paul is writing to a community that don't know him. They don't know who he is. 
they have heard about him. They may have seen some of the fruit of his ministry, but personally they don't know him. But because of Paul's integrity in the relationships that he has held, his reputation now goes before him because of them. I say this, the way that you treat the relationships you have now can open opportunities for you in the future, but also close opportunities down for you in the future. You see, Paul is writing to many people of status, of different varieties, of different cultures, but all of them can now commend him to the community because his reputation has gone before him. Pastor Sam Monk, the leader of Equippers Church in New Zealand, a significant church, says this, that out of great relationships comes great ministry. Paul had had and maintained and honoured relationships and now they went before him. Reputations are built slowly but can be destroyed quickly. And by the grace of God on his life, he had maintained those relationships and now they were going before him and would in fact create opportunity for him in the future. Because Priscilla and Aquila were church leaders. They had a church that met in their home. So what that effectively meant was that by their commending of Paul, it would have been more likely the people that were in that church would commend and support Paul's ministry. How are your relationships? How are you conducting yourself within them? I'm just, I'm asking the question. Because I know this, that from looking at those names just to begin with, one, God can use anyone of any background, of any gender, agenda, or I should say gender. God can use anybody, but it needs the person to step out in faith. Your relationships. I look at these names and I realise that they went before him. You know, it's very interesting that not only did they go before him, but he's addressing how they should be within each other. But then in verse 17, which I'm going to read to you now, he, he drops the most random warning in out of nowhere. I, I, I put it as an example like this. I remember going to visit Steve Turner the uh, senior pastor of our church in Alexandra, Oasis Church. And I'd gone to see him. And, and while I was saying goodbye to him, he's saying to me, oh, make sure you say hi to Pastor Nick. And he goes, make sure that you say hi to April and the kids. And by the way, watch out for wombats. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, listen, those wombats, they're big. They can get in the middle of the road. And if you hit one with your car, it can roll your car. Watch out for wombats. See you later. So I'm like, what has just happened? We're in the middle of a beautiful goodbye. You're saying hello to people and make sure I say, and then you go, watch out for wombats. They can roll your car. Paul has a wombat moment in verse 17. He says, hey, say hi to this person. Say hi to that person. Say hi. And then he goes, hey, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive. See, what had happened is Paul was aware that for some reason, wherever he would go, there would be people that would oppose him. 
So it talks about what fruit is coming out of your life. You can be called, start producing godly fruit. What fruit is coming out of your relationships? But now, here's a key in how to judge relationships. It says they're those that cause division. See, Paul in the chapter before it, in 15 verses 5, it says this, May the Lord God give you endurance and encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Ready for this? In verse 6, So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one mind and one voice. He's saying unity. So what is he saying? Hey, look out. It says watch out. Keep a lookout. Keep your discernment up. Judge the words that are being spoken to you because what does it say? It says those that cause division. He's just gone on speaking about unity and bringing things together. He says, look out for those that go and cause division. It says, or put obstacles, make it harder. We know that in Romans 8, in the, in the later half, it talks about there is no obstacle that can get in the way of Jesus Christ. There, there is no depth, no height, no angel, no demon. There, there is nothing that can get in the way of Christ's love. So if anybody comes and brings and puts in your way obstacles that are contrary, he says, that go against the teaching I have given you, judge it. It actually says, To avoid those people by, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive. But then I love this bit. I might invite the band to come back up. It says, Everyone has heard about you and your obedience. So I rejoice because of you. Then it says this, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. You know, as I, as I looked at this final scripture, and, and for me, growing up, there was a song at the church I grew up, and they literally sang this scripture. Romans 15, 19 says, it was hilarious. Be excellent. At what is good. I don't know. They wrote it locally uh, from a church about half an hour here. But what it, what it did is it drummed it into my spirit. And as I read that, I felt God reveal to me and speak to me from this perspective. It says this. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So when you do this, when you are wise about what is good, understand it, seek it, go after it. But then it says, be innocent of evil. Now, I, I, I've always thrown around the, the concept, okay, how can you be innocent uh, of what is, is evil you have to have some awareness of it, God. But, but I felt the Lord say to me, it's about an awareness, but not being involved in it. But then it says this, that God will give you peace. It says the God of peace. He is the God of peace. It says he will crush Satan 
So that means he's going to be giving us victory. And then it says, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You see, when you are wise about what is good, you remain innocent of evil. It says here that God's peace, victory and grace will be upon your life. That's my prayer for our community. That God's peace, God's victory and God's grace be over your life. So I wanna pray this morning as we stand. might bring down the lights a lot. We do this purely for privacy. I want you to do business with God, but I pondered some questions. As I prepared. You know, we can sit here we can do church for the rest of our lives together. But if I don't encourage you to take up the good works, I'm not doing my job. You see, in Ephesians 4, when it talks about the ascension giftings, it says that the, 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 the prophet, the, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, what am I forgetting, John? There's one more teacher. What a surprise, you married a mark, a teacher. It says to equip the saints to the good work. My job is to inspire and equip you to do the work to the ministry, to do loving community, to do loving each other, to serve God, to step out in faith. Paul writes in this letter multiple greetings to multiple people of multiple different backgrounds saying these people are worth a mention because they've had a significant impact in my life. So I ask you this morning, are you serving where you're at right now? Because you need to be doing something to serve our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Because as you serve, you grow. As you serve, you can be discipled. As you serve, God will use you. Because what happens is as you serve others, your mindset is taken off yourself and your own struggles and you become more Christ-like. So my first question is, are you serving where you are at right now within the capacity that you have to do so? The second question that I wanna ask our community, have you let offence stop you? Hey, I've tried before and I've been hurt. Let me explain to you, you have to persevere. Do you know that on the very first ever night of Hope Tour, now you've all heard about the fire engines that came and the great investment that we paid and the fact that no kids really came on that first night. But what I didn't ever really tell people about is the phone call I received the next day from a significant leader 
running through me. It's my first time, I'm just having a crack. And in that moment, I could have let offence stop me. But I chose to keep pushing through because I'm aware that I'm not perfect. I'm aware that we're all not perfect, but I'm also aware we all sit under grace, amen? Have you let offence stop you? Don't let it anymore. Move forward. Serve a God who has never let you down, a God who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. Serve Him, not man. You know, Paul throws out a warning out of nowhere, his wombat moment. What I felt the question for our community is this. Are you judging the fruit that comes out of your relationships? If it's good, praise God. If it's not good, my prayer is you would recognise it in this moment. But in doing these things, in serving where you're at, in overcoming offence, in judging your relationships, you're seeking God. Effectively, you're attempting to be wise about what is good. I want to be wise in my relationships. I want to honour them so that I can serve God well into the future with people that God has placed around me. But in doing that, in being wise about what is good, I believe that God's peace and victory and grace will sit upon your life. If you want to receive God's peace, victory and grace on your life this morning, would you raise your hands? Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, help us. To continue to step out. Lord, help us to continue to seek godly wisdom in the way that we treat one another, Lord, in the way that we move forward. Lord God, help us, Lord. To be wise about what is good. Innocent, Lord, aware but not involved of evil. So that your peace, your victory and your grace sits upon our life. Can we sing this song one final time? Can I encourage you? Let's seek God in this moment. Can we raise our hands in this place? Can we just abandon our insecurities? Can we sing to God with the love and the passion that's in our heart? My desire is that we never miss an opportunity to honour our God. And Lord, as you have spoken to us through your word today, help us to respond to it. If you need to repent this morning, repent. If you need to ask God for strength and victory this morning, ask Him for that. If you need to be prompted by God to call someone to forgive them, forgive them. 
If you need to take up the call to serve your family better or your workplace better or this house better, Paul says, do it. And whatever you do, do it to honour God. Lord, we do it to honour you as we sing this song. We respond to you today. Come on, Uni Hill, let's sing to Him. Let's raise our hands as an act of surrender to you, Lord. person that didn't have a relationship with Jesus but let me tell you the day that I encountered him I knew that I'd come home I knew that I'd been set free I knew that I was in relationship with God because I had experienced Jesus I don't know if everybody in this room today knows what it is to know that you have relationship with him but this is what the Bible tells me it says this that that if you believe in Jesus and confess with your mouth that He is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead, it says that you have a relationship with Him and it says that you will be saved. So with every eye closed across this place, if you want a relationship with Jesus so that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for our entire community in a moment. But if there's anybody here today, would you raise your hands just so I could see you just nice and high and give me a wave. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this community and we thank You for Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that You came and You lived a perfect life so that you could die and raise again to set us free, to bring us into relationship with God. And we thank you. We thank you. 
Everybody who's a believer in this place, could you raise your hands one last time? This is what we're going to declare as we leave today. The cross has the final word. Over your hurts, over your insecurities, over your challenges. The cross has the final word. You see, Jesus came and, and those who He sets free are free indeed. So whether you are having trouble in your family, whether you are having trouble in your workplace, maybe God is challenging you today that you've been too comfortable and that you need to step into faith. You need to continue to seek Him. Today we recognise the cross has the final word. We leave this place in victory. Could we raise our hands one last time if you're able? And let's sing. over every person in this place. Bless them, Lord. Provide for them, Lord. Give them opportunities to step out in faith. Lord, let them walk during the week with eyes to see opportunities to share your love, your mercy and your grace with those that need it, Lord. Help us to love you more in Jesus name and everybody said amen let's give the Lord a hand of praise praise God praise God hallelujah